Today's scripture is Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. So I've got this really good friend in uh, Lubbock who I was talking to the other day. I hadn't talked to him in years. And uh, he's been a very successful businessman, entrepreneur, great guy, great family, uh, just a really, really neat individual uh, that I got to know, you know, years ago. And uh, we were discussing a variety of things. We were talking and it came time for us to finish the phone call. And, you know, we all have our little quirks about how we get off the phone, right? I'm sure we could go around the room and look at each other. We kind of chuckle at how you you all probably know the ways that I uh, end a phone conversation. Um, And uh, so anyways, this this guy, he goes to finish the conversation. I see my family laughing over here. Um, But uh, he goes to finish the conversation. He goes, all right, Strebeck, it's great talking to you. Dominate the day, man. I thought, dominate the day. This is like at nine in the morning, and I'm thinking, what kind of thing am I going to dominate today? You know, I'm just looking around going, I think the day's dominating me. It's only nine o'clock. But uh, dominate the day. So I was just thinking about that, and I love that. And he's tenacious. He was a point guard. Uh, He just, you can just see, he's redheaded, and it's like, we're going to dominate the day. And you love that spirit in somebody, you know, and it really is a great attitude to have when you approach your day. You know, the day's not going to dominate me. I'm going to dominate the day. And so I love that. I kind of laughed and I just thought, oh man, there's nothing about me that says dominate the day. You know, <laughs> if only he knew. And so, um, you know, I think Martha in our story that was read for us today in the gospel of Luke, I think Martha was a dominate the day person. Anybody else? I think she was like, let's dominate the day, Mary. Let's dominate the day, family. Let's take care of business. And so as Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem, and we're in this this series in the middle of Luke's gospel where Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, he's told the disciples and people along the way why he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer and die and for our redemption. And that is what is at stake. That is why he is passionate. That's why Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Well, along the way, so far, this is early in in the travel. It's early in the road trip. And mostly people have rejected Jesus at this point. So we pretty much get rejection. Jesus comes in preaching the gospel, and uh, people say, nah, no thanks. And in the most recently, they just ran him out of town. And so Jesus is telling a series of parables, and he comes to this house of 
Mary and Martha. And Martha, unlike so many people on the road, Martha welcomes Jesus. I mean, she rolls out the red carpet. However you imagine the most hospitable person in your family or in your community, it's like when someone comes in, you know, you can just see the wheels turning. Somebody get the fried chicken. I'm going to do this. You go get the pie. I'm going to make this. Somebody make tea. Let's get this ready. You go clean up the living room. You fix this. You fix that. Go make sure the gate's open over there. We're going to get all this together. We're going to make sure this guest feels welcome, that they know that they're welcome here, and they're going to think, man, I want to go back to Sweetwater because that those people welcomed the snot out of me. I, I just felt like I was somebody, you know, when I went there. And so Jesus walks in, and Martha just, she does all that. She hurries around, and she does it. Martha dominates the day. Martha dominates the hospitality, which is a biblical imperative for Jewish people. And Martha took care of business. She really, it's fascinating that Luke introduces Mary and Martha after introducing us to James and John. So you have these faithful brothers who are following Jesus, and all of a sudden you have Mary and Martha. It's a fascinating thing. Jesus is saying the call for discipleship is open to everybody. It's not just guys, but the girls too. And so Mary and Martha come in tandem, and we see their gifts and their challenges coming out in the way that they are starting their following of Jesus. So Anyways, Martha's dominating the day. She's doing all the stuff. She's getting everything ready. And then meanwhile, Mary is taking the posture of a disciple, and she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She is sitting at the feet of her Lord, which is the posture of someone who's hearing. Not just listening, but someone who's hearing the Word. And Mary is exhibiting for us what the disciple looks like as a follower. And Martha, who's dominating the day, is doing a really good thing but she's kind of missing the forest for the trees. I asked uh, Amberly, my wife, last night, I said, what do you think of when you think of a distracted person? Uh, because Luke tells us Martha was very distracted in her domination of the day. And, uh, and Amberly said, you know, I, just, I guess I kind of think of somebody who misses the forest for the trees. Or sometimes you miss a particular tree for the forest. And I think that's right. So I think Martha was missing the... Uh, the forest for focusing on all of the trees that she was dominating to line up the hospitality ducks to make sure Jesus felt welcome. And so uh, Martha, I don't know if she was the older sister or not. I'm an older sibling. I could hear myself saying all this stuff. So if anybody else just, you know, you need to wave your hand and say amen, that's fine. But the things kind of rolls along and, and Martha just, you can hear her kind of getting frustrated and she goes, Jesus, you know, it's great to have you here. Um, I'm doing everything that I can to dominate the day, make sure you have a good time. Uh, meanwhile, I don't know if you notice my sister is in the other room and she's just sitting there. So could you tell her to come help me? <laughs> it's the You know Martha's dominating the day because she tells Jesus what to do. It's like, I'm going to follow you, but first I'm going to tell you what to do. And so she does. She tells Jesus, this is what you're going to do, Jesus. And, um, and Jesus, I love how Jesus responds to her. And just like later, Jesus will say, Simon, Simon. Do you remember that affectionate way that he speaks to Peter and shakes his head and says, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon. He says that to Martha first. It's very affectionate. It's very paternal. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. While I appreciate your hospitality, but there is need of only one critical thing. And Mary, your sister, has chosen the better portion, and it will not be taken away from her. It's shocking. It's shocking that Mary is 
taking the posture of a disciple because normally the role of a woman in this role, in this situation would be all Martha, no Mary. It would be the guys are going to gather and listen to the teacher and the women are going to do the hospitality. That's the way it worked. It was just how it was. So the fact that Mary was in there leading us to listen to the word of God is, is shocking and fascinating and beautiful thing about the gospel. And so Mary's leading us and Martha's distracted. And you can hear in her question, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself, tell her to help me four times. Me, me, me. It's like the Brian Regan me monster. Do y'all remember if y'all ever seen that? But she's, she's, you know, in her domination of the day, she's, she's focused on herself. And so she pleads with Jesus. And you know what Martha's saying is just, Jesus, don't you see me? Don't you see how hard I've worked here? Don't you see how dominating of a person that I can be when I put my mind to something? Like, don't you see don't you see how hard I'm working? And uh, it's so familiar to us as Christians as we serve. Martha is doing nothing bad. She's doing nothing wrong. You know, she's not running drugs for the disciples. She's not doing something terrible that she needs to quit doing. She's doing all the right things with just a slight misguided heart, with a slightly misguided perspective. And so Jesus is inviting her to choose the better portion and to allow it to shape all of the good things that she's doing. And we don't get the rest of the story, but we can see that, that Martha, uh, and throughout the story, you know, she's taking this to heart. Martha's growing, and Mary's growing. So we, we are following them today. It's not her serving that is problematic. Uh, she is doing a great thing with her resources. We're, we're meant to see in the story that Martha is a patron. I mean, she's, she's not to be trifled with. She has her own resources. She has enough wealth to have a place to welcome people to, and she's using it for good. And so it's admirable, highly admirable. Uh, a lot to love about Martha. In the traditions, often we have heard, and you might have even heard, you've been to like a women's Bible study or something, and they'll be like, well, you know, I'm just a Martha. I'm just such a Martha. I just like to be busy. Or, and well, and I'm just, I'm just a Mary. I like to be lazy. And it's not that at all. Like, it's not... That's not the story. The story is these are both really good things, but one informs the other. It's listening to the word and being a disciple that informs our service. You, you can't have one without the other. They work together. It's the, it's the listening and hearing and the serving that go together in union. That's the work of the disciple. That's what we all are doing, uh, regardless of where we are. So uh, it's, a, it's a great invitation. And you ask yourself as you're reading, you know, is Jesus disparaging work? Does Jesus want us all to just sit around and listen to the word all the time? Should we just sit in church all the time and not do anything? Of course not. Of course, he's not disparaging work. He's affirming the work, but he's saying, don't be distracted. Don't be so distracted by the work that you do the work for the wrong reasons. Six days we work. I mean, six days we toil and sweat and we work from sunup till sundown or whatever it takes to get the job done. But there's always been this peace that God has allowed in his economy for contemplation for us to listen, to hear the Word of God, that it would shape and inform all of our other six days. Without the seventh day, without the one-seventh of our time that's given to contemplation and to rest and to hearing God, our other six days are just going to feel like a zoo. They're just going to feel like a distracted mess, and we're going to be screaming with Martha, Jesus, I do everything for you, and you just don't even care. You don't see me. My church doesn't see me. Nobody sees all the hard work that I do. And dadgummit, when's somebody going to notice me? And, but we've, we've missed it. You know, when we all get to that point, it's a temptation for everybody. So Jesus is simply calling attention to the source of life. 
the reason that we serve, connecting with the why. You know, when you take students and young people out and, and serve, it's always important when you start a mission trip or anything, you have to tell them why they're there. You have to remind them that we're not just here to be good little boys and girls, but there's something about Jesus that calls us to this kind of work. And when you make that connection, you go, oh, I get it. All right, this is part of my response to the redemption of Jesus. I have forgiveness, I have new life, and I'm going to share that life with others. That's how it works. So you can kind of see the contrast. Luke does a great job of telling the story. Uh, Martha's mindset, you know, that we've got to work harder. We've got to push. We've got to push. There's never enough. I have to dominate what's there because it's all we've got. Mary is pausing to listen, to hear the word. Uh, you can hear Martha saying, gosh, it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. And you can hear Mary going, it's like, yeah, but if you don't receive, you ain't got nothing to give, right? It, if you don't, you can't give what you don't have. And that's the problem with a lot of Christianity is we, we try to give what we create ourselves and it's not ours to give. It overwhelms us. It burns us out. Martha is focused on the many, Mary on the one. You can see Martha is standing. She's running. She's hustling. Uh, Mary is sitting. She's taking it in. Martha is talking. Mary is hearing. Uh, Martha is calling Jesus Lord, but she's not listening to him. Mary is uh, calling Jesus Lord by her actions, by listening. And Martha's actions, good and beautiful as they are, uh, will pass away. Mary's will remain. So Jesus says, one thing remains. One thing there is need of. I love uh, what Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, who was a monk in the 12th century, and, and it's crazy when somebody in the 12th century says, you know, we don't have enough of this today, and we need more of this, and we go, oh, are you sure he wasn't talking about our century? It's just so common. It's universal. But Bernard of Clairvaux said, if you are wise, church, you will be reservoirs, and not channels. You will be reservoirs and not channels. He says, sadly, we have many channels in the church today, but very few reservoirs. And the great thing about reservoirs is like, you know them when you find them. And I think in drought, we are especially appreciative and noticing of the reservoirs in our lives. When life is hard, we know who those reservoirs are. Just like when we're in a drought, like we are now, we appreciate the water way more than when we're walking through the mud right? And so when we're struggling, we recognize those people in our lives and the people in the church that are reservoirs, that have that deep well of abiding in Jesus. And we go, that's where I'm going to go when I need a drink of water. That's where I'm headed. And so we, we can see that. Life is hard. Life is too hard for only channels. We are not just called to be channels of grace. We are called to be reservoirs of grace, that we bathe in it, we live in it. It transforms our lives. And out of that transformation, other people are satiated as well. Other people experience grace and mercy and forgiveness. I was thinking back this week on men who have been fathers to me, who have been reservoirs in my life. And I look at all of them and I can see, I've watched them go through difficulty. I'm just going to say in the last 20 years, there's three guys that I thought of immediately in the last 20 years that I have looked to as reservoirs. And I've watched them walk through really hard times and droughts and they've walked through really hard times with me and I look to them all the time. Two of them are pastors uh, who are kind of mentors to me and I've watched them walk and I've seen and I've modeled so many things that I do after them. And then one of them is my own biological dad. 
And in the last 20 years, I've seen him become a reservoir. And I looked and I thought, what are, what are the common things in these three guys that I lean into, that I call when I need something? And really, I can, I can narrow it down to they all have become listeners. They've all become hearers of the word. Uh, not just in lip service, but they have staked their lives. They have built their houses on the rock of the word of God. And in these last 20 years, it's made all the difference. And they have become reservoirs for me and for many others. And so I am excited about the men in our church. I mean, all, all of us, the women becoming reservoirs as well, but it's Father's Day. And I'm thinking about us guys. And the role that we play, the opportunity that we have when we abide in Jesus, the opportunity that we have to be reservoirs for other people. It is life-changing. It makes all the difference. Uh, I, was, I was thinking back on this and just emotional with gratitude because I was thinking about a service project that we did as a church here a couple months back. And I'm thinking of two people, two young people, one in her 20s and one in his uh, you know, early middle school years. Both of them have fantastic biological dads and have, have been reservoirs for them thus far in their lives. But also, as we were working together with this group, I watched those two people work with other men from our church who are 50, 40 years older than these two young people. And I watched the interaction and I thought, this is the kingdom of God. This is what it means to be a father, a reservoir like this, as we work together and we get to see what it looks like to be a servant. We model our lives after this. These are people who are listening to the word and therefore it's shaping their actions. That's why they're doing the work that they're doing. They're not doing it for accolades. They're not doing it to get a picture in the paper. They're doing it to serve Jesus. Life is just simply too hard for the goal of life to be busyness. And I am preaching to 100% the choir here. I hope you know as much as any sermon that I ever preach. I hate preaching this text because I know it's right in my face. I am, I am prone to distraction and busyness, and I love me some Martha work. I, I'm busy about many things, and I can get really, really distracted in trying to dominate the day. But it takes six days to endure what we've been called to endure. We have to open the door for that seventh day, for that one-seventh of our time to hear and to be formed. That belongs to God. That one-seventh is not for me to dominate but it is for me to relinquish. It is for me to open my hands and say, God, I cannot give what I have not received. Would you fill me with your life? Would you abide in me as I abide in you? We were created to enjoy the presence of God, to participate, as Peter said, in the divine nature. And it's from that that our service flows. Work in the kingdom, Work in our nine to five, work all across the board finds its shape in contemplation and seeing and hearing the living God. I can't speak for your vocation, what you do for a living, what you have been called to do the other six days, but I can speak to pastors because I've just spent a whole week with them and uh, at annual conference and I see a lot and I hear a lot. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest sins of pastors is to be busy, is to be busy just to be busy and to not do the right work. We miss the forest for the trees so often. 
And I confess that I have missed a lot of forest for staring at the wrong trees. So I've been asking myself this week, what is the quality of my service? What is the quality of my work? And in what ways and how much is it shaped by abiding in Jesus? How much am I sitting with Mary and listening and hearing the word of God? And how much are all of my actions just kind of growing up like thorns around what the word is trying to grow in my life? And one good litmus test for me is if I were to ask my children, if I were to ask my closest friends, do you enjoy being around me when I am serving Jesus? I think that would tell me a lot about the quality of my abiding. And if they were honest and they said, no, you're really kind of a grouch and we hate being around you when you're serving, then that's probably a sign that, I, that the, something's wrong. Like there's a breakdown. I'm distracted with Martha by too many things and it's time to pay more attention to the one thing that remains. Do people enjoy being around me when I'm serving Jesus? So moving forward, my prayer when this text confronts me is David's prayer. This is what I want to pray. This is what I want to be true in my life. And so I pray it and I say it and I hope that some days and that one day that it will be true, that it will resonate in my life. And David prayed was this, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and this is what I will seek after. One thing, just one thing I've asked for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, just one thing. I don't have room for many things as primary things. So that one thing is critical. That one thing remains. May we find that one thing together. May we be reservoirs of grace and mercy for the world that is desperate for such. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.